You're listening to a message from Heritage Christian Fellowship in San Clemente, California. For more information, go to heritagesc.org. Uh, my name is Jared, and I'm one of the pastors on staff, and uh, I'm so excited to be with you. Be with you. I'm pumped. Great. Is that so everyone can hear me? There we go. When did it all change? And I'm not talking about the time that the preacher got up and felt like the congregation was about to rob him. Because you guys all have masks on. (laughs) When did it all change? Like, when you think about, like, of all the different events throughout history, like, there's so many times where something happens and the course of human history takes a shift. Yesterday was one of those moments. Were you guys watching? SpaceX launched its uh, rocket with humans on board, and it was a, a monumental moment for our country and probably for human civilization because SpaceX is extreme, like they are super intentional about having a space station on Mars and a, or a space station on the moon and a civilization on Mars. Who's signing up for that? <laughs> no, thank you. But that, I mean, who knows where we're going to be in 50 and 100 years from now. But it is absolutely crazy. There are events through all of our lives that change us. And I bet for many of you, uh, you guys had a moment that was similar to mine, if you're lucky enough to be a parent. I remember on April 7th, 2009, when uh, little Nolan Shea was born. And gosh, I mean, this is a pretty universal experience that parents have that you think you know. You think you know how much you can love, how much you care about someone, and then you get this little baby and your heart just explodes. It's, it's as big as living on Earth and moving to Mars. I mean, it's huge, absolutely huge. What are the most impactful events throughout human history? And in Christianity, we have a couple of these, right? We have the incarnation, uh, God coming to this earth, becoming human, in, the, in a baby, right? We have Calvary, Jesus going to the cross, dying for our sins, and we have the resurrection, Jesus coming back to life, proving that he is who he says he is, and being the first fruits of the new creation. And as Christians, we have uh, days to celebrate those, right? We have Christmas, we have Holy Week, Good Friday and Easter. I mean, even the most staunch atheists are familiar with those days, But today we celebrate another one of those days, a day that I would say is just as monumental, and it is the day of Pentecost. Today is Pentecost, where we celebrate the Holy Spirit coming and dwelling with people, God making his new temple, you and me, the followers of Jesus, and the impact that the Holy Spirit has had on our world through each one of us 
truly fulfills what Jesus said. Greater things are to come. And so that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about Pentecost, and I want to celebrate that with you guys. There are three things that I want to talk about today that I think are the impact of the Holy Spirit coming. One is relational, one is transformational, and one is vocational. So if you're taking notes, these would be the words to write down right now. Um, I, I had an awesome professor in seminary named Glenn Scorgi, and him and a partner, uh, I, I was reading some of their work, and these were three of the words that they used to describe the impact. So I love it. Um, if you are new to Christianity, if you're watching at home and you've never heard the gospel message, I hope this is a part of the message that is brand new to you and makes you want to fall in love with Jesus and makes you want to invite God to live in your life. If you are a seasoned Christian, if you're a leader of our church, like the people in this room right now, I hope that, uh, you know, like every Sunday, we get a chance to kind of reevaluate things. And we get to ask, where is God? What is God doing? And my prayer is that uh, you'd kind of evaluate how you are keeping in step with the Spirit, and most of all, really thinking about what God has for you in the next season. So with that, we're going to start by reading the story of Pentecost um, when the Holy Spirit came. It's in, it comes in Acts chapter 2. Feel free to turn there now, um, or you can follow along on the screen. Here we go. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't, these, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus in Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this this right here is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, 
I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You see, from the very beginning, um, when sin entered the world, it broke the relationships that we had on two different paradigms. One was with God, between God and people, and between people and people. And we've all experienced that type of brokenness and how it's ravaged our world in many ways. But God's plan was to rescue humanity from the very beginning. And he does that through Abraham and through the Israelites. And he rescues them actually out of Egypt. And he pulls them out into, uh, out of Egypt through the Red Sea. There's the Passover, all these plagues. And he brings them to Mount Sinai. And it is there at Mount Sinai that he gives them the law and the covenant the relationship, the marriage between God and people is ratified. Those, those rules are, are the law, is the expectation. God already did his part. He already rescued the people and proved how much he loved and cared. And now it was, his, it was the people's turn to say, I do, and to listen to what God says. And there's a marriage. So when we read in Acts... When the day of Pentecost came, when the day of Pentecost came, what does Pentecost mean? Pentecost is not a word for the coming of the Holy Spirit. Actually, Pentecost means the 50th day. And uh, what, what was going on at Pentecost was a celebration. It was called the Festival of Weeks. And this Jewish festival was one of the three uh, major festivals where there would be a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. And what they celebrated was the grain harvest. And the grain harvest started at Passover. And so it usually took about seven weeks. And then at the end of those seven weeks, they would come and they would give their first fruits to God, as well as they would have a collection of sacrifices. Um, but the other thing that they celebrated was they celebrated the giving of the Ten Commandments. Because that was, if you looked at the, the timeline of when uh, Passover happened to when the law was given, it was about 50 days. It was, it was during the, the festival of weeks. And so that's what they celebrated. Well, what happened when the Ten Commandments were given? If we look at Exodus 19, it's interesting. It says, Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in what? In fire. The Lord descended it in fire. God's presence is described as fire. Well, it's interesting. Luke picks up on this, right? What does it say in Acts? Tongues of what? Fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. 
you see Luke is recalling to these people and it seems as though it's God's plan to remind them that on the day that they're celebrating the first covenant, the new covenant has come. And if you remember that plan, God wants to dwell with his people. From the garden, he wanted to dwell. And, and there was perfect harmony, but that failed, right? And then God chooses the people, and, and he dwells with them in the tabernacle, but that didn't work as well. And then there's the temple, the place that he dwelled, and that failed as well. And then Jesus comes. Each one of those times, to enter into the presence of God required great sacrifice. You know, before Moses uh, even went up on Mount Sinai, he was told, consecrate yourself, purify yourself, get ready to be in front of the holy. And the tabernacle and the temple, I mean, it was just constant sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice. But to truly dwell with humans, it took Jesus right, the perfect sacrifice, and through Jesus, it was a success, and this is what they're picking up on. God dwelling with his children once again, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Do you ever have those moments where you wonder, like, am I right with God? Like, I have these days where I'm like, man, God, where are you? feels like you're kind of far off. Sometimes I wonder, like, am I in? You know, like, are we close? Am I picking up on you? Like, am I forgiven? All those things. I think it's a very natural thing for us all to wonder. But it's in the midst of that that the Holy Spirit becomes the proof of that, that, that God's Spirit speaks to our souls. Paul puts it this way. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. It is real. How do we know that this all is real? How do we know that Jesus is who he says he is and that we are truly right with God? It's because we have the Holy Spirit tugging on our souls, speaking to each one of us. Henry Nouwen puts it this way. I think it's brilliant. Without Pentecost, the Christ event The life, death, and resurrection of Jesus remains imprisoned in history as something to remember, think about, and reflect on. It just becomes something in our heads. But the spirit of Jesus comes to dwell within us so that we can become living Christ here and now. Right? You see, the Holy Spirit fixes those relationships. It proves that, we are, that God and people are right again. But not only that, it, it, it brings unity to people and other people. All right, do we need the Holy Spirit more than ever right now, it sounds like? He is proof. Unity and togetherness. Look at what happens in Acts 2. Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? You see, verses 9 through 11 are not just some of the hardest names to pronounce in the Bible, but they're showing that people from all over are united through the Holy Spirit. Glossolalia, this this thing that God speaks and it's understood amongst all of the nations. You know, contrast that with the Tower of Babel in Genesis 11, 
when, when these people are trying to reach and attain God in a way that was not right, and God scatters them. He confuses them. They speak different languages. They're, they're, they're dispersed because they're going about it in the right way. But when it goes about it in the right way, through the power of Jesus, when the Holy Spirit comes, there's unity and there's connection. People with people. And, and going even further with this, how is it that people and people can truly get along? How is it that we can truly care for the people that we dislike the most? The people that cut us off when we're driving. The people that paddle around us when we're surfing. I don't like them. <laughs> At work, the people that slander your name. The enemies that we have at school. How is it that we can love our enemies like Jesus if not for the gift of the Holy Spirit, right? If we are to truly love people, we need the source of love, the God that is love to be within us. If we are gonna forgive people, we have to realize that we are forgiven. And if we are gonna have the courage to put ourselves out there, to care for people, to, to risk to build community, we have to know that we are completely secure in God to start with. And that all comes from the Holy Spirit. So it's relational. The impact of the Holy Spirit is first relational. But it also is transformational. You see, we are new creations. The Holy Spirit is doing something inside of us. Right? What, what were they celebrating? The Ten Commandments. What were the Ten Commandments all about? They were the instructions from God to these people so that they could be set apart, so that they could be different. They could be holy amongst everyone else in the world. These people were going to be the ones that looked different. How did that go? Not very well, right? And, and the law is something that we couldn't live up to. No one could. The Israelites couldn't live up to it. Paul recognizes this. In Romans 7, he says, Once I was alive apart from the law, but when the commandments came, sin sprang to life and I died. I found that the very commandment that was intended to bring life actually brought death. Why? Because we can't do it. We're powerless because of sin. Right, But God knew this. God knew this. And in fact, in the midst of a time when it was not going well for the Israelites at all, God spoke a very special promise to his prophet Ezekiel. And this is what it says in Ezekiel 36. For I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. All right, we can't do this on our own. What does he say? 
I will put my spirit in you and my spirit will move you to follow my decrees. It will make you careful to obey all the laws, to keep the laws. And, and what's amazing is that in the very next chapter, there is, it was in one of the songs, the valley, there's, God gave Ezekiel a vision of these dry bones, the valley of dry bones, and they represented the people who were dead. They, they were broken. And then God breathes life into them. And they begin to have tendons and they begin to come to life. Right? Look, look at just even the creation story. What happens when God breathes on humans? They come to life. God is doing it. You see, there is a huge contrast between the law and the Holy Spirit. At Pentecost, God does what the law could not. Right? He changes our heart. He gives us the strength. And the first covenant, on the day they're celebrating the first covenant, we have the new covenant. God saying, I'm going to give you the strength. I'm going to be the one to come in and I'm going to transform your life. In the Bible, it's called new creation. Or regeneration is another term. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The new creation has come. The, in, in 2 Thessalonians and in 1 Peter it talks about the sanctifying work of the Spirit. Who's, who's, whose job is it to sanctify us? It's the Holy Spirit's, right? What freedom does this give us? I mean, we are right with God, and He has the pace of changing our hearts. And when our hearts change, our desires change. You see, I don't know about you, but all the times when I look at the law and I have these moments of inc like incredible failure, even as I'm parenting that child that I love more than anything, man, I just fail. I lose my patience. I blow up. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a good patient husband. I get angry. I have all these failures like regularly in my life. And I beat myself up over it. And I think, gosh, why did I do it again? Why did I do it again? And yet, what I need is just the Holy Spirit to come in and change my heart and to change my desires. Uh, Paul talks about this in Galatians. Galatians 5 really talks about life with the Spirit and contrasting how it's different than the law. And it talks about how where our flesh is going and where the Holy Spirit's taking us. This is what it says. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh they are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual, immoral sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Anyone struggle with any of those? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, 
forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And look at what he says. Against such thing there is no law. Now, maybe at some point you're like, well, gosh, like, at what pace is this happening? I don't know. For all of us, it's different. I still struggle with a lot of those. But I want you to note that the Holy Spirit is not some magic potion. It's not some formula. He, it's not some oil. The Holy Spirit is a person. And people don't go where people aren't welcome. And there are sometimes things that we hold on to that maybe we need to let go of and allow God to come in and do his work. We have this tension between our, our, our flesh, our, our minds, and our hearts. And when the Holy Spirit comes into us and moves, man, it changes our desires. And all of a sudden we find that, hey, when, when snapping at your child feels like the most natural thing to do, that you have this breath of patience and you see things differently. You see the world differently. You see your enemies different. It's amazing what God does. The key thing, what is your part? What is your part? Your part is keep in step with the Spirit. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Now, to listen to the Spirit and to keep in step with the Spirit requires us to maybe eliminate some of the distractions, right? To slow down, maybe have some quiet time and some extra quiet time. I think God's, the Spirit speaks through the Scriptures too. I mean, th those tried and true spiritual disciplines help tune our frequency to the beat and the drum of, of where the Holy Spirit is leading. And when we keep in step with the Spirit, it is something that is so beautiful. And in fact, I, I think one of the best analogies for this is, is dancing. Keeping in step. I am a terrible dancer. It's embarrassing, honestly. But gosh, when I see people that can dance, I am... I sin because I'm envious. I think like, wow. And I'm sure all of you guys have experienced it. When you see a couple that dances, like a, a beautiful ballroom dancing, when they have such just a perfect rhythm to each other, and, 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 and they're being led, and their motions just flow, and they move like one. And it's just so beautiful to see and to watch and it's so experiential. It's just absolutely a magical thing. And when we keep in step with the Spirit, we become sanctified, and we realize just how much of a new creation we really are. Now, what's cool about being a new creation is that with being a new creation comes new abilities. You see, we're not just being transformed for you, but we're being transformed for the world. New abilities, what do they say? Aren't these, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Aren't these just those people from up north? Aren't these just those average, uneducated guys? How is it that they can speak all this? How is it that Peter gets up and preaches with such eloquence? 
How is it that there are all these signs and wonders? What is going on? How is this actually possible? How is it that they have such courage to get arrested, get out of prison, and then go right back and preach again? What is going on? And it all is because the Holy Spirit is moving and he's transforming you for the kingdom, for the kingdom of God. What was Jesus' mission statement? What did Jesus talk about more than anything else when he came to earth? He talked about his kingdom. He was all about bringing the kingdom of God to earth, and he was willing to die for it. And then he says to his disciples, go, go. Now it's your turn. Go into the world and go into all the world, to the very ends of the earth, baptizing people, making disciples, and teaching them to obey everything that I taught you, right? But does he tell them to go right away? No, no. He says, wait, wait. Before you go, wait. You're going to need someone to go with you. And who is it? You see, the Holy Spirit comes and the Holy Spirit gives us a vocation. My friends, if you are a follower of Jesus, your role, your new work is to partner with God in the vocation of bringing heaven to earth, building the kingdom of God right here in in this town and in this area. Right? What are we doing? How is that working? And if we're willing to build the kingdom, I think we are going to experience just what Joel says, signs and wonders. And you will have an opportunity to use your God-given abilities, but your spiritual gifts in a way that will blow your mind. It'll be so awesome. It'll be so beautiful. And, and I really get the sense that God's doing something right now. Two weeks ago, Peter talked about, um, he talked about prodigals. And he talked about how in times of famine, in times of famine, that it makes people hungry. It makes people question their identity. It makes people question their purpose. I mean, is there, he, he, I remember he grabbed the globe and he shook it. Does anyone feel like our world is being shaken right now? Right? Why? I think God is prepping the hearts of people for something. Man, when people get hungry, when they get thirsty for what is pure and what is real, we have what they need. And then last week, Jim talked about a, a, a legacy, passing on the mantle, right? What, who are we bringing up? If you're 65 and you're about to retire, who is the young professional that you can pour into and share your wisdom and knowledge? If you're 25 and you're just graduating from college, who's the middle schooler or high schooler that's going through a pivotal time of identity development that you can walk through, that you can encourage. 
You see, all of us has someone right behind us. And I'm struggling with this too. I'm thinking about it myself. Where do I fit in in this? This is for all of us. Where are we prepared? Are we prepared in this next season ahead when God is prepping people's hearts to go out and fish and pull in the loss and make space to truly care for them, to mentor them, to guide them, to show them the love of Christ? You see, I think God's up to something, and I don't know exactly what it is, but I'm so excited to be a part of it, and I'm so excited to see what happens right here in this building and right here amongst all of you. You see, because you guys are the temple. God's dwelling in you, and he has an impact in our world that is relational, it's transformational, and it's vocational. And gosh, I think a harvest is ahead of us. Charles Spurgeon says this, my brethren, my brethren, do you believe in the Holy Ghost? Have we such a reliance upon the Holy Ghost? Do we believe that at this moment he can clothe us with power even as he did the apostles at Pentecost? Do we believe that under our preaching by his energy a thousand might be born in a day. I want to pray a blessing over you. And then I'm going to invite Peter up and he's going to give us some instructions for what's next. But thank you guys for, for being here. It's what, a, what an awesome time to get to speak in front of people. And may God move. May God bless you. May the Holy Spirit give you a new connection with the Father. May the Holy Spirit transform you that you realize you are a new creation and that you have gifts and abilities. May God breathe life to you and may God bring his kingdom. In the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening. We hope you tune in next week. For more information, go to heritagesc.org.